the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode 124, recorded Friday, January 3rd, 2014. Flugelnet. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AB Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. That's the logo there. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. My voice... Hey, there's my ugly face. Uh, how are you doing? Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, this week, we have the incomparable uh, manager of Vertical Markets Theme Parks for Harmon International, Mr. Bradford Ben. How are you, sir? His- I'm just cold. Oh, you're cold. There's no degrees outside. It's a problem. Well, it is. Where are you again, physically? Hello. I'm physically in my office. Thank you. No. I'm physically in Elkhart, Indiana, the, this week. There we go, Elkhart. And he has, if you're watching, he has a a, 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 a airline terminal behind him. Also with us, uh, the fake Canadian, the bad Canadian, the world's worst Canadian from Omega Audio Video. His name is Matt Scott. How are you, sir? I'm great. How are you guys? Doing well. You both are sporting the. Uh, the nice facial hair, and I'm sporting. Dude, it's I'm sporting four months worth of growth myself. It's freezing. Yeah, it's freezing. Anything. It is cold. It is cold, and you're in uh, London, Ontario, where it's oh. what? Uh, right now, nine Fahrenheit. Okay, and I'm outside. we warmed up. I'm outside of St. Louis, where it's four. So yeah, we were uh, we were minus. That's warmer than it is here. We were minus five when I uh, minus five Fahrenheit when I got my truck this morning. Yeah, it's it's definitely winter. Chile, Chile, Chile. Uh, all right, this week on AV that's Week. That's why you're a fake Canadian. The, yep, because <laughs> it's Chile. Yeah, that's, yeah, that would be hey. balmy if you were a real Canadian. You'd be so, still warm. I'm very disappointed in you. Um, this week on AV Week, it's the first one of uh, of the 2014 uh, calendar year. We're going to be talking about lighting. Uh, Matt Scott's a, a big lighting guy, big proponent of companies like Lutron and. Hey. Automated systems. Yes, sir. We're celebrating by taking the show over from you. Already. Uh-huh. Yeah, if you don't know, Matt... I didn't want to let you get Yeah, going. apparently we're going to take the show over from you. Bradford and Bradford yeah, and Matt have a very nice and very interesting podcast that I was the... Was I the host or the guest of that thing? Uh, a you number were technically the host, oh. or the Cat Wrangler, or... You were the guest host. We have lots of But uh, I don't think that one ever saw the light of day because there was too much to cut out. Um so <laughs> well it was a three-hour podcast and we got 10 usable minutes well <laughs> that was probably bradford talking about hockey so so it was yeah. a snippet uh also so we're just gonna on. take this one over that is and awesome. just run with it yeah, that's fine. why not no no you know it's the first win of the year i it's i'm Matt i'm still in vacation mode. products i'm still in vacation ah, mode. that would make sense uh video I, over ip um and some interesting trade show alliance agreements this week one that just came out uh late last night early this morning uh so i did not have a chance to uh to put that on your guys's docket bradford showing the fabulous starbucks matt i still have not got my timothy's coffee so you're on my bad list well i'm not sending anyone timothy's coffee what is it i'll, I'll send tim horton's tim horton's coffee but I timothy's just, is just i just knew it had timothy's 
I just knew it had the word Tim in it, and I was excited. So, all uh, right. Uh, first up, uh, no, we have Timmy's. huh? No. Look, Timmy's. if you come up to Elkhart, we'll have we'll have Matt come down to Elkhart, and we'll just have a big coffee. Think about it. Okay, that's that, that's it. easy. That's easy. It's, it's not a very long drive for me, any. It's probably what, what five hours. Yeah. Uh, Sony and Panasonic are calling it quits uh, officially, at least on their OLED yeah. TV partnership. Uh, last year, I'm sorry, a year and a half ago, uh, June of 2012, they said, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to do OLED and 4K and uh, a bunch of tech geeks, myself included, uh, were all excited because, well, I like, 4 I like the idea of 4K. I like the technology of OLED. Sony and Panasonic getting together. Not that I have a lot of love for, for Sony right now. But Panasonic themselves have been—they've been known to you know get manufacturing up and running, and, and they've found ways to make money in this business. So it was exciting. It was great. You know, Sony's you know getting in in partnership with a, with a pretty solid company, and now they're not. <laughs> so uh, Bradford, what does this spell? Does it spell anything for either company? Does it say anything about uh, the future of 4K or OLED, or is this maybe just two companies that couldn't quite work together? I think it's more of two companies that couldn't quite work together, especially with how many billions of dollars did Panasonic lose? Mm -hmm. uh, $9 billion last year, I believe. So the being able to bring manufacturing up and make money is obviously not their strong suit at the moment. I wish them luck because I do think they're a good vendor, but it's one of those things, and I think it's purely driven out of economics. Of Panasonic has other things to concentrate on, and Sony has things to concentrate on, like, why well, I haven't gotten my PS4 yet. And then comes the fact that OLED, I don't think, is coming out as strong as people want. Or same thing with the 4K, just because of a lack of content and the price per display. So I think it was just an economic decision. And I think a lot of it was driven by Panasonic's turmoil with uh, the past few years with their uh, profit and loss. So I think it makes sense. Sony's not exactly been in a strong suit at the moment either. Uh, the whole electronics market has been having problems, especially the consumer electronics market. Uh, so I just think it's a it's a sign of the times. I don't read anything more into it than someone looked at the money and went, it's not making the most sense to keep this partnership together because neither company can uh, can put all their attention to it. Yeah, then that, that's fair. That's 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 fair, Matt. Uh, both of these, you you live a lot in the residential and the house of worship market. Um, when it comes to both of these companies, they they have been historically pretty heavy hitters. Um, does it say something that they couldn't make it work? Um, I don't necessarily think it really is that cut and dry. It's more of you know, just as Brad said, it, it's a bigger issue between the two of them constantly, you know, trying to work together and, and probably not. Uh, it, it was probably a bit of a doomed, uh, you know, partnership from the start. And, uh, you know, I don't think it really, I don't think you can read much more into it than that. That they, it was just, you know, uh, not necessarily that, that, that anything bad, they just couldn't work it out amongst themselves. Yeah, it just, it, it's, you know, it's not going to happen. It's two of the biggest competitors going together. That'd be like BMW and Mercedes trying to make a car. That would it's be just awesome. not going to happen. It would, but it's not going to happen. You're never going to see it happen. Well, what about stuff like, uh, what was it, last year? Uh, let, me, let me say this correctly. Samsung invested into Sharp. 
because they were um, uh, Sharp was losing money and they were looking for investors. Samsung became the biggest non bank institution uh, investor in Sharp. Is that because you know that's where they get a lot of their glass? Because uh, those are two significant you know competitors and one propping the other one up. Mm-hmm. And I think it's more of one propping the other one up. They're financing in it. They're not necessarily trying to, again, produce a product uh, together. One company, it, it, it's just one company investing in another company and getting some stake in that company to help, you know, again, that company produce uh, better and, and further down the road rather than uh, halting uh, operations. And again, not that it was ever that dire, but. You know, it, it's a different thing. It's not a partnership. It's an investment. Okay. All right. Moving on to some trade organizations. First, uh, the HD Base T Alliance. Uh, HD Base T um, has announced that Panasonic is now a contributing member. Uh, and just so y'all can do this, let's swing over real quick to the HD Base T.org. There are promoter members, which is Sony, LG, Samsung, and Valens, uh, of course, because uh, they're the ones that make the chips. Uh, contributing members, which now includes Panasonic, and then the adopter members. Uh, Matt, we'll go back with you on this one. Um, does that is that saying something? The fact that Panasonic has has joined up now with um, with the HD base T side, they're not necessarily putting all their chips in in this technology and this. Uh, format, but they're at least saying, "Hey, you know what? We're going to start developing some stuff, uh, developing obviously some displays, whether that's you know uh, projectors and or flat panels uh, that takes just the single RJ45 and, and, and you know inserts, uh, or, or takes the audio and video off, and, and eventually possibly if, if they get it working correctly, the, the power as well. Uh, does that add credence to you know and, and give uh, HD Base T a little bit more uh, a little bit more clout? The fact that Panasonic's joined them." I, I think it definitely does, and you know, I think it's one of those things where, just like any any technology out there, the more companies that jump on board, the the more popular and the more uh, clout, if you will, um, they'll have. And you know, I, I I think at some form, whether it is HD based T or whether it's uh, AVB or you know something else down the road that we haven't even heard of, we will get to that you know true one-wire technology, which we, we still don't really have. HDMI is kind of there, but not really, and it's fairly limited in what it can really do across the board, whereas HDBHT solves a lot of those problems and gives us some really, really cool features as well. So throwing, you know, in all reality, a, a pretty big player like Panasonic on board uh, just looks good for A, that technology, and B, Panasonic. Um, I can't wait to be able to, you know, get my hands on some more projectors and and whatnot that have that built in, to where we're running one cable. And that's great. Would you are you comfortable running the power as well? I mean, because that was one of the things that to me was the most significant thing. Uh, the HD base T, the the the, yeah. the the thing that they were showing at Infocom 2013 this past year. Uh, it was it was beta. You don't get, don't get me wrong. It, they were, they weren't exactly selling these displays. Uh, but they were running, you know, actual. They were powering some of the some of the flat panels uh, with the single cable. I, I think that really is kind of the holy grail of, um, you know, connected displays. Is when we do hit that point where we can go out and purchase a, a TV, a display, a projector, what it, whatever it is, and hook up one cable, power, signal, source, internet, control, everything 
in one you know easily found RJ45 uh, on you know Cat6 or Cat7 or, or whatever that specific you know spec it needs, that'll be huge. And you know I, I've talked with a bunch of commercial guys that I work with, and you know hearing some of the uh, lack of a better term the horror stories of trying to work in a Fortune 500 building and the cost and the time required to get a power plug mm-hmm. versus being able to run a cat 5 or a cat 6 or you know again some form of cat cable uh, is night and day it, it'll really that will be the holy grail for us okay for now for now uh Bradford... can get wireless power oh be quiet wireless power i want it tomorrow didn't somebody named nikolai tesla yeah, but... tried that once and you know, <laughs> well, I, I think things so... happened go ahead Bradford. <laughs> So, oh, come on, it's, it still works. But so, sorry <laughs> about the connectivity issues. Um, I think that proves one of the concerns right there. And I was wired. Uh, I think part of it is that uh, Category 5 cable, or 6, or 7, or 8, currently is not going to be able to have enough power to be able to drive a big display. So I think the Holy Grail has some limitations just because of electrical code and trying to get power down the line. I agree it's easier to get a network drop than it is to get a power drop off. However, I think that what this shows me is that there's still a desire for easy networking and putting stuff together. I think it's just like AVB being popular, just like this. It gives you a consumer-level approach, and I'm not sure it's going to work well for the, for the larger projects where you have to you know, send it to 50 displays like, say, an airport. So it's something I think that has some uses. I think that the idea of a single cable to a display is very possible. Uh, you look at some of the Samsung displays, some of the Panasonic devices with the built-in Windows computers already in there and just put up a Category 5 cable right into it that's sending Ethernet, you're all set. And all you have to do is power. To me, the 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 other way to look at this, and you heard it here first, is doing Ethernet over power, which I'm doing at home and getting 80 megabits a second, and you can do 120 megabits a second if I wasn't so cheap uh, and bought bought the newer product. And that's the way to, to go ahead and get it, it down to the single plug. And you can put a bigger projector, a brighter projector, as well as a bigger display out there that way instead of having to have limitations based on power over power over Ethernet. Like I said, go the other way, and I think that's the better the better solution. Uh, in terms of HD base T versus AVB versus FlugalNet versus, you know, MuppetNet, I think it's one of these things where the nice thing about standards is there's so many to pick from. Uh, but I do think Everybody's that there is going to be an eventual one. winner. Uh, yep. I do think there's going to be an eventual winner. Uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff with AVB because my... MacBook actually has AVB uh, in it, and what's interesting to me is that Xilinx is both on AD, HD base T and on AVB, and I think it's just because as a silicone manufacturer, they want the best chance of winning. Yeah. Well, speaking of AVB, and, and I really wasn't... I love the delay today. It's very helpful. Yeah, it's very helpful. Um, speaking of AVB, we were, the, one of the stories that came down actually uh, yesterday, late, late yesterday, uh, Avenue Alliance is proud to start 2014 with an exciting announcement today. Crestron joins 
Avenue Alliance as the 65th member, as well as being the first home control and automation company to join the alliance. So here's something for you guys to chew on and think about, and I'm actually in the middle of writing a blog post about it for this Monday. Crestron, whose DM system, uh, their digital media, which is their transport over a single Cat5, uh, is based on HD Base T and the Valance chip. They've joined the Avenue Alliance, which is AVB, and I'm not trying to make this about AVB versus versus HD Base T. I really don't think that it's a it's a head-to-head comparison, uh, mainly because HD Base T is point-to-point, AVB is more over switch. What does this tell us? Uh, and, and I'm not yep. I'm not trying to be coy here. Uh, because to me, it's obvious what it tells us. It tells us that Crestron is in some way, shape, or form working on some sort of AVB product. I may be naive here. I may be putting, you know, uh, putting the no, cart before actually, the horse. But go ahead, Bradford. I mean, what does it tell us, the fact that Crestron has joined joined up with the Avenue Alliance? Uh, I think it tells us that Crestron is doing things that many other manufacturers are doing, uh, supporting multiple protocols. If you look at my employer as Harman, we support AES, AVB, uh, Blue Link, Cobranet, Dante, Maddie. You know, we uh, Aviom cards for me uh, purchasing additional cards. So I think it's more of a good Aww. business decision. Yeah, but I think it's a good business decision of having you know multiple multiple platforms to pick from, and let the the customers decide what the right solution is for their project. So to me, that that makes perfect sense. I think, you know, do I think that they're going to have an ABB device? Yeah. If not, why why would you join the Avenue Alliance? Or it could be that they're just looking at a way to control it all through 1722.1, uh, which could be just as good of a reason to join the Let's Avenue see, Alliance. I don't, I don't looking think at it so. from a, a building management and approach to it that way. But here's the thing. I mean, let, let's not be silly here. Crestron is... Crestron is still a home automation, or not home, but Crestron is still a, a control automation company, absolutely. But their DM product, though, is, I mean, they're, they're as much of a video proto, a video transport company anymore as they are a, a control company, or am I not, am I thinking that their DM product is bigger than it is? Bradford. No, I think you're right. So you so this, in other words, their their product, their their DM is as big as is maybe not as much as as control, but it's a good chunk of their of their market. So it's definitely continuing to grow and expand their market share in that area. And I I don't think that they're going to give uh, or release any information to the public, the general public, stating what those percentages are. Oh, no. But I would be shocked if that's not taken off dramatically. Even remember year that, to year. Go ahead, Bradford. But remember, DM is not is not a true network. No, no, it's HD based T. It's 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 point to point, it right? It is their their system that works right, and so it doesn't go on to building based network, whereas an AVB system uh, is able to. So I think it's not competing with itself. Like you said, it has a good video distribution solution. But that doesn't scale real well. And I'm still looking at Crestron, you know, for stuff like major stadiums or attractions where it's running smaller sections of it, but it still has to, uh, you know, integrate with big systems that might be running AVB or Dante or other 
protocol. So I think it just makes sense for me able to talk to more things. Uh, I think it's it's kind of like you know, do you want to have an MP3 player, that, you know, one of these that just plays MP3s or AACs or waves or any other format. So I, I look at it that same way. I think they're just diversifying what they can support uh, to hopefully get some incremental growth out of it. So to some degree, being their own competition and letting the customer says, uh, you know, hey, I'm using AVB. Oh, we've got AVB product. Hey, I'm using FlugalNet. We've got FlugalNet. I'm using CobraNet. Yeah, we still got that. They don't have So Flugelnet. all sorts of stuff like that is what I'm, I'm trying to, I think that they're doing. Uh, I think it makes sense. I I'm working on it. It's All right. running back there. No, just joking. I'll get. All yeah. right. Uh, but Flugelnet's my is kind of like like widgets. It's just yes. I, I know. Saying, I, I was. You know, it's just my my fantasy network. Yeah, but if somebody actually ever comes up with Flugelnet, you'll have to sue them for that, Bradford. You know. I know. <laughs> would you rather I have TrumpetNet? TrumpetNet would be nice. Uh, MuppetNet, I liked that one. Was nice. Uh, just okay. Cause... I'm gonna work on Trumpet. Net. You, probably you, can't, have, uh, you probably can't do MuppetNet because okay. Disney no. owns that. And okay. yeah. That one I might get sued about. You might get sued about, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this goes to our, our our resident lighting guy. and, and Muppet uh, 3D. Muppet, yeah, I just saw that. Ooh. It just went to, never mind. Um, under control outdoor lighting. This comes to us from EC Magazine. Um, and they go on there. They're talking about um, actually uh, LEDs and, and outdoor control, control of outdoor type lighting, and how the city of Los Angeles actually put together this mesh network um, of outdoor uh, lights. Um, so Matt immediately thought of you, and, and the fact that you were coming on this week helped uh, you know solidify the fact that we're going to grab this story. So you've got these mesh networks, right? And mm-hmm. whether it's bringing them into an AMX or a Crestron control system, Aurora, whoever, or letting them be their own autonomous systems. First of all, how, how financially viable uh, is stuff like this, whether it's outdoor or indoor? And secondly, from a, a, an integrator standpoint, how difficult or easy is it to implement these? Well, from a financial standpoint, this is one of those things where the replacement cost of bulbs and fixtures and uh, systems are still very high. It's still a very expensive proposition. Even you know, if you dump it straight down to the you know residential space to pop out pot lights and you know run pot lights with LED uh, fixtures versus standard incandescents, halogens, or compact fluorescents, whatever, um, it, it's still much much higher cost. Granted where you're able to offset that initial cost is in energy savings and usage savings over time. The lifespan of these bulbs obviously is dramatic and the energy savings is equally as dramatic. Uh, for uh, you know city size installations this is going to be a major huge savings across the board for them. Uh, as far as when it gets into integration for all of them uh, again, it's it's kind of all over the map. There are systems like this, like GE, that uh, you know produce very good systems that operate very well and are their own. Their, you know, they're their complete own standalone system, opposed to the the you know standard uh, sulfur lights and and some of the other lights that are so common uh, in cities and highways and and whatnot um, all across North America. Uh, it is one of those things where they will save a ton of money, but they're adding another 
uh, essentially another smart system, if you will, yeah. into their city's infrastructure, which has all of that additional uh, cost and and you know workload to it. Um, so it, it it's something that every you know at some point we will see every uh, most likely every light in North America. Uh, from your house to your your car to your uh, you know street lamps, everything will become LED uh, unless they bring something else in the near future, which I don't really foresee. I think you're still going to see compact fluorescence, or right? Canadian Football yeah. League, as I call it. Uh, <laughs> but I'm assuming we're talking about the LED lights. Sorry, yes. I dropped connection as we talk. As I mentioned, uh, the thing that gets me is some of the stuff they is I think. Like Matt said, the cost of it's going to help a whole lot. Uh, the lifespan's going to help a whole lot. But I also think that because they're LEDs, for an architectural and entertainment standpoint, the idea of they're saying in LA that they're going to be able to turn on and off lights based on what areas they're in and with the GPS latitude and longitude coordinates. I wonder if they're if it's false economy by being able to turn off the light one minute earlier or one minute later versus the amount of money it's going to take to do all that math. And I think that there's some downsides in their approach of being able to manage it that much. As they said, they can turn off the lights in those non-busy areas. Well, call me paranoid and all that stuff, but I'd want the lights on in the non-busy areas. <laughs> you know, And that's, that's one of those things where, you know, I was reading a couple other articles this past week about home automation and, and smart homes, offices, businesses, infrastructures, etc. And, you know, again, this always comes back to that that one phrase of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yes. In, in a city, you know, well, Brad, you know where I live. And we were walking a dog um, that we were fostering a couple, uh, probably a couple months ago. And, you know, most of our lights are always on, but there was one street lamp that, for whatever reason, and it's not a smart bulb, it, it just it seemed to happen. As soon as you walked into its glow, the light would shut off. Hmm. And again, that was it, me actually. It oh, was, was you? I was, using, I was using Find Friends or my version of it, <laughs> Find Enemies, and and kill the lights. <laughs> yes, but you know, again, and that wasn't a you know purposed event. It just seemed to always always work out that way. But you know that that's that same thing. You don't want your your city lights or worse your roadway lights going out because somebody doesn't think there's cars on the road yeah what happens when that sensor fails and the lights are all off because they don't the sensors are not reading that there's you know vehicles on the road or traffic or, or people and there is a lot of traffic and there's a lot of people and you're causing accidents and stuff like that this is one of those things it makes sense until you dig into it and then you hit that point of do we really need to turn off a, a street lamp because it's you know three in the morning? And we don't think someone's there. Oh, that's the man, reason we just got a flat tire under the street lamp. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And you need to change it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's one of those things. You know, they're changing to LEDs. That's great. They will save that's so much good. money going that route. But to you know, you look at for heaven's sakes, this is L.A. This is the most bankrupt state. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Illinois may have you on that. Well, I know LA is not a state, state. but but California is. I want to explain this to you. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) LA is in the most bankrupt state. It's in California. Correct. Once you're using red pen, does it matter how big the number of the red pen's doing? <laughs> no, it, but it does if you're it, it does if you're a member of that a, a, a resident of that state, and that's why I say I yeah, think yes. Illinois may have California, but I could be I could be wrong. But this hits that whole point of are they not spending a boatload of money to study this, to research this, just to discover what we just figured out in five minutes on a podcast? That this probably yes, it sounds great, and yeah, maybe turning you know being able to actually sense when daylight hits to kill that light as soon as daylight hits, and you have ambient light naturally, perfect. But to put you know have sensors have all the uh, algorithms to figure out when yeah. and when they shouldn't have lights on. So well, I got this thing money. on the on the side of my house that does this for me without any IP, without any update. You know, it's a motion sensor with motion a sensor. Yeah. sensor. Oh or my a gosh! <laughs> I got a photo sensor on my light pole in front of my house, so it turns on at, at dusk, turns off at dawn. Exactly. It's a th- three dollar part, and well, it control it controls any type of light, just applies power. So I'm with you. This is one of these people are using technology because they can. Yep. Not because they should. It's kind of like, do you need a timer in your toothbrush? I like mine. I'm not going to lie. Do you have a timer <laughs> in your toothbrush? I have. Yeah, one of my clients is a dentist, and he gave me this monster Oral-B fancy. It lights up. It's killer. It's, it's Bluetooth enabled even. I can tell no, you what his brushing no, habits. Bluetooth. But it's a, it's a timer? <laughs> I mean, is that, is that so you don't stop brushing until it's yeah, time? Yeah, it's it's supposed it's to be 30 seconds per quadrant per of your mouth. Yep. My and kids need goes, this. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, great. But back to the lighting thing. Thank I, you. I sat down with our local mayor here uh, three years ago because he wanted to learn all about LEDs and stuff like that. And Is we that sat the down Chris Farley guy? No, not the no. Chris Farley no, guy. No, no, no. He's in, he's in Toronto. Toronto. That's Brock. Eh, it's all Canada. <laughs> I, know, it's Brock. I know Canada <laughs> looks big, but there's different parts of okay. it. Okay. Believe it or not. And, you know, we, we kind of had this same discussion. He wanted to know about, is it feasible to do this? Can you do that? Can we shut lights off when there's no one on the streets? I'm like, yes, but no, you don't want to. Just yeah. replace your bulbs with LEDs. You'll be good. So, but but just and, to, I can, go ahead. and I can see the logic of smart dimming. You know, okay. of course. That, to me, especially with LEDs, makes a lot of sense. Also, the idea of color balancing it. And we have to look at this beyond just... The traffic. We're looking at traffic right now because we're kind of, to some degree, making fun of over specification, over indulgence of, and more technology than you need on fixtures for traffic. But can you imagine the idea of the light starts at 25%, goes to 50%, goes to 75%, then goes to 100%. Oh, instead of being that yellow glow, it's a more natural glow, so your eyes don't get fatigued. Can you look at the idea of when you're putting signs? signage outside of buildings that you can actually have it be the appropriate and be able to set the right tone and be able to reinforce your message uh, of, you know, oh, look, the police department building is blue. The fire station is red. red. You know, to me, that makes sense in the way, to some degree, that LEDs can be used. But I think there are some advantages of having them being controlled, but I think too fine of a control going down to the light to the individual location versus, say, a square mile at a time is 
is reducing it. But I do think that we're looking at just light poles. And I agree, street lights probably a little bit too tweaky. Let's say a parking structure. Do you bring all the lights down to 25% and when you hear noise or there's motion and they come up to 100%? Kind of like, you know, you have those little motion sensors in some in some uh, locations where you wave your hand and poof, the lights turn on. Yeah. That might make more sense with the fact that LEDs give you that ability, whereas the sodium pressure lights have to warm up. So I think there is some advantages to it that we can get and still be able to walk that that privacy versus not privacy. It's like when I walk through O'Hare at 1 a.m. and all the fluorescent lights are on and the clear channel display boards are on at full blast at the exact same level as they are during the day to get through the sun, I'm like, that's a waste of energy because you're generating heat, you're generating all this extra light, all this stuff. And I'm like, lower them down to a more reasonable level at night. And same thing with the lights of let's turn off every other light until a plane comes in and then they all turn on. I think that's the the better example of not doing, you know, to some degree the smart grid, but a more benevolent smart grid. Our our local Home Depot does that type of thing, whereas when it's off peak hours, every other light in the building is off. If you walk into, sorry, go ahead. If you walk into that aisle, the lights come on. When you leave that aisle half the lights shut back off. Again, it's a very effective use of control and automation. It's not overdoing it. And, you know, again, this is something, you know, I see all the time in residential. You have clients who are outfitting their entire home in in Radio Raw or Homeworks or or whatever it is, and they want, a, a lot of them, want individual control over every single bulb, every single switch leg, they want to be able to control everything and, and know exactly when stuff's coming on and off. And it, it always comes down to, you know, again, you don't need that level of control. You need something that allows you to turn on the lights when you walk in the room, dim them to a comfortable level, and then shut them off. You don't need to walk now into w- Control Central nine times out of ten and sit there and fiddle with every single light level. I do that, but that's well. me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and there are some guys that are, going to, that are going to do it, some homeowners who will do it for the first exactly. week they, or the first month uh, yeah. that they have it just because they can or, you know, when they have holiday parties, you know, see, look look what I can do yeah, to my lights. But, yeah, but, nine times out of ten, the, 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 the day-in, day-out stuff, when you walk in from, from a long day at work, you don't want to mess with that. You just want to hit a button and have it go to the right level that you want. What I, what I want is I pull the car into the garage, I hit the garage door opener button, and it opens up. It knows I'm home. It turns on the lights. It opens the refrigerator. It opens the beer. It pours it for me. It puts the hockey game on so I can watch the Make Beliefs lose. Uh, hey. But I do, th- I do think <laughs> you know, they actually won this past week at all 106. But I do think there are some other features that they're missing, or that we're not talking about with the LED lighting and the smarter grid technology. Yeah. Think about Matt's story of that LED that kept going out, or that street fixture that kept going out. Yeah. Imagine the ability to monitor, is the light bulb on? Is it functioning properly? Instead of having to wait for someone to call up and go, you know that light's out, and it's been out for three weeks. Now it's, hey, this light is not receiving the voltage we're expecting. Maybe we should send someone out to go take a look at it. Oh, look, someone tapped in their home into it and is running their Christmas lights off it. Or the bulb's been shot out. Or whatever the reason, there's no... There's no light there. That, to me, is the bigger one with the smart grid technology. 
yeah, it, to to cut down manpower and to ex expedite maintenance, etc., is where this will really start to take off. Yeah, but they'll they'll have to you know again you'll have to get your city planners who are usually the ones responsible for this type of thing you're gonna have to get them out of their current mindset of over control and get it into a functional uh, deployment of these technologies that makes sense but just if I can bring up one other lighting thing mm -hmm. uh, that we didn't get because I just saw it uh, today and I posted it on my Google Plus and my Facebook page um, CNN had uh, posted some stuff about smart homes and and Tony Fidel talking about how it doesn't work and and it's there not here yet. Yeah, and there's yeah. not lighting. There's not companies that allow you to control your <laughs> yes. lights when you walk into a room and out of a room. And we had <laughs> talked about this on another post, uh, like two days ago from I think the Wall Street Journal or New York Times or something. Is that the one talking that uh, about, Julie Jacobson posted? Yeah, Julie yeah. Jacobson talked yeah. about yeah. it. You know, automation companies such as Comcast, uh, Vivint. I think. Vivin. I think the only AMX. one, the decent, yeah, AMX was the, the only, only halfway <laughs> decent one on there. Yeah. I think Roger's communication was even on there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, let me yeah, see. You know, like the little Bluetooth indicator I have on here that automatically locks my computer when I walk away from it. Oh, that, that technology is not there yet. No. I'm still waiting for the Bluetooth light switch well, so no, that when I walk let's... into the room, it goes to my level. <laughs> Wait, well, well no. that's what I want. <laughs> You and you. Here's the thing. You, you're going to have that very, very quickly because of either you're RFID. Go for me? No, I'm not that smart. I'm not near, anywhere near that smart. But either um, RFID or or the, uh, this other, you know, um, NFC, NFC, or even yeah. Bluetooth, where it will have all your little preferences and, and everything, and the fact that it knows that you're Bradford Ben and you're walking in with your iPhone. And know the difference between you and your, and your lovely bride, and you're going to walk through the room, and it's going to set the temperature, it's going to set the lighting, it's going to set, you know, put the put the uh, the devil's game on, and she's going to walk through, and it's going to put the blues game on because she likes watching good hockey, and uh, you know, said said uh, what? Don't make me have to call up George. <laughs> oh no, George is a Rangers fan. Oh yeah, that's right. He's dead to me. Yeah, he's dead to you. Um, <laughs> But you, but you get my point, though. The NFC and the RFID and the Bluetooth stuff that's already in our cell phones, and let's be honest here, guys, we walk around with these things nine times out of ten. Um, some of them even have started building in uh, built-in pedometers. Uh, the fact that you know, this is kind of a testament to the fact that we all walk around with these things. So, uh, you know, you walk into a room, you have a, an NFC reader, you have an RFID reader, it knows who you are, and it, that all, that ta all that's going to do is take that information it's going to trip some sort of signal that's going to talk to an AMX processor, a Crestron processor, and say, here's the settings for Bradford. Okay, one, two, three, you know, and then all it is is a control protocol, right? Then all it is is a list of, of things in a stepper or, you know, in a, a list of things to do when Bradford walks into a room. We want him to do, you want, we want the house to do this, right? And it, it right. goes back to what you're talking about, Bradford, everything except for the, the pouring of the beer. I'm sure that there's a way, uh, I'm sure there's a relay to do that somewhere, but, you know, everything else, though, you should be fine. I can explain to you how to do that. They have they have servos that control beer taps. I okay. can really explain to you how to do that. You have a, but that's a whole other talk. Is it a, whole is it a relay or is it you know? No, no, no. no it's, you, it's a survey and it's, or it's, servo. Servo. It's basically it's, it's like a pump control, just like you have for being able to turn on and off your sprinklers in your oh, okay. in your yard. That should be. Pretty it's simple. really not that difficult. Mm -hmm. And this would also work for say things like offices. Of you go into the conference room and the CEO shows up and he's quote unquote the host, and it 
sets everything the right way. And I think that that <laughs> is, you know, it's not just residential. It's also for the office space yeah. and for the, the user personalization. I think where it's going to get to be interesting is arbitrating multiple users and integrating that with a scheduling software, which I know AMX has been doing. I know Crestron does of the whole idea of you've scheduled the conference room. Let me put it to the right yeah. settings for you. Well, and but I, I think, think both of them. Uh, I know I know Crestron does for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that AMX does as well. They integrate with Outlook. They integrate with other scheduling yep. software. They integrate with Resource Twenty Five, which is a big uh, educational uh, resource. Yep. Um, they integrate calendar. with Hot Sauce for hotels and okay. convention mm -hmm. spaces. So, when again, it, it always seems to come back to most of the people that are writing these articles are looking for a DIY approach. They're looking for something they can go to Best Buy or Home Depot and pick up an automation package and we know that this just is not a solution for a small business or a large business or a residential uh, situation unless that's all they're looking for. But so let this, me ask you this well, Matt. Yes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this into one of our podcasts. Oh, good. I'm, Excellent. Gonna channel, <laughs> I'm gonna channel Brock for a moment. What is oh, our industry doing to foster the people understanding that you that not everything's DIY and that what's available. Is this an Infocom thing? Is this a Cedia thing? Is this uh, the the contractors and integrators have to do it? I was going to say, I'm going to ask, is it, is it an, an SC thing? An, an, an SCA thing? This is, first of all, I love the way you slowed down on the F because that was Brock to a T. That was perfect. <laughs> uh, you just kind of you paw, drew it out slowly. I like it. Um, but to answer your question, it, I th I think it's everyone. It, it's everybody. It, it's something that we've talked about. You and I have talked about a lot. Uh, Brock and I have talked about. All, we've we a lot of us have talked about this uh, multiple times. Yes, it's the organizations, but bottom line, it comes down to us as integrators. It's one of those things. This is almost. Uh, this almost has to be kind of like a religion. This has to be one of those things that you tell everyone you know what's what's possible. Because that's that's the biggest mis misnomer is that people don't realize that this type of technology, these kind of things, are possible, and that there is a difference between DIY and pay for play. What? I can go and buy oil and change the oil in my truck. Can I do it? Yes. Will I screw it up? Hopefully yes. not. Shut up, Brad. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Having done it once, maybe twice, I think I'm, I'm not terrible. I, I kind of sort of maybe figured it out. Anyways, but will I go to my mechanic who's a local mechanic? Probably. Will I go to my dealer? Yeah, definitely. Will I go to the custom performance shop because I want my truck all hopped up? There are different levels. For some reason in technology, so often the general populace does not seem to grasp that there is something in between that DIY went to Home Depot, Radio Shack, Best Buy, insert whoever you want here. And the super high end, I saw this on, you know, HGTV touring a multi million dollar home that has $40 million in automation crap in it. There is a huge huge gap in between that that the general populace does not seem to understand whether it be corporate whether it be small business whether it be residential and as much as I'd love Cedia, Infocom, NSCA any of these large organizations to promote this uh, effectively and well 
it can't just be on them because Infocom cannot reach all the major commercial uh, potential clients. They never will. Cedia will never reach every residential uh, opportunity that's out there. It has to come down to us as individuals to promote our industry and our brand and what we do and what's possible because until until it gets to a point where I can tell I, I was coming I was in the States yesterday and drove up to the border in one of my trucks and the border guard asked what I did what I do I told him I own the company kind of pointed to the truck because it's all over the <laughs> side as Brad knows um, pointed to the truck he kind of looked at me and said okay so is that like speakers and stuff Oh, and I still install car stereos, according to my mom. Exactly. And it, it takes explaining that for people to even have the slightest understanding of what it is that, A, we do, and B, that's available to them. Yeah, and I think that home auto, or just home automation, I keep going to that. Automation and control in general is one of those ethereal little magic things that people don't think about. Because one of the articles that you mentioned, Matt, mentioned the fact that there's not this there's how, how do they put it there's not one central um uh, yeah control piece, control system, system that can that do can, all that can this. take all these disparate systems and, and control everything at once and i'm i'm reading this article going are you kidding me you know well, and, and and here's here's where they're reading that here's where that thought process comes from because you can't in in, in all reality you cannot go buy one thing and plug and play it Agreed. True. There's yes. nothing that will plug and play and read information from a Wolf range, a Samsung fridge, a Samsung TV, a Panasonic Blu-ray player, a lift-all garage door opener, a Locktronic lock. It, there's not one thing. Now, there are boxes that allow us to control all of those things with some custom coding and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's be honest. Even the remote that comes with my cable box from Rogers, which is made by URC in uh, 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 New York, it still has a manual to control it, and you still have to put in codes mm -hmm. to get a remote to control a couple of, you know, a set-top box and a TV. Yep. And most, let's be honest, I know you guys don't really work in the residential world, but... No, we have still, to do wife tech support. Yeah, you got to <laughs> yes. do wife tech support, you know, but... We still have probably, I'm probably being generous and saying that 90% of cable and satellite users in North America still can't program their remote properly. It's the equivalent the, the of the basic 12 on the VCR. Yep, it is. And, you know, we in the industry, we look out and we get so offended and, and frustrated with these news reports that come out and, you know, say that there's no such thing as a universal remote that works. And all they talk about is some piece of crap they bought at, uh, you know, uh, Source for, not Source for Sports, but the Source or Radio Shack and a Harmony. And that is the, that yeah, the is Harmony. The depth, oh, good Lord. Yeah, that's the depth of their knowledge on that, you know, on our industry. And we get offended at that, as we should. But we've got to promote it, and we've got to try and get people to understand that there is more there. And I agree with you, but I also think uh, part of it is we have to understand the customers and what the customers need. Just because you can doesn't mean oh, you yeah. should. Right, right. And, and I'm not saying you should sell everything to everyone, yeah. but it's it's just one of those things of if they don't know it's if they don't know it's possible, 
they'll never ask for it. Right. And I agree that we have a problem when CNN says it's not possible, whereas to me I go, <laughs> no, I think it's possible. It's just it's just like the news. You don't just pick up one device and read the news off of it. You might look at Twitter. You might look at Facebook. Mm-hmm. You might look at Google+. Plus, You might look at MySpace to see what happened 10 years ago. Uh, you could go to AOL. Uh <laughs> You know, to hit, see what happened 15 years ago. Places. No, no, no. AOL's back. They own Huffington Post, so it's you know it's back. It's Just ask back. them; they'll tell you. I'm <laughs> AI. They own Engadget too, so we're back, yo. <laughs> but the whole idea of to me, that's what I wanted to say to CNN is, from what I'm hearing, I haven't read the article yet. Is kind of like do your research, just like you, just like a consumer would have. There's more than one answer to pretty much every question in the world. But I also think that we have to realize that, you know, it sounds funny. My grandparents had rotary telephones. Yes, they, my grandfather was an electrical engineer. He knew exactly how push-button phones worked. But the rotary telephone did everything he needed. So yeah. he was yeah. like, why change it? And I see that logic as well. If it's the quality of life and are the gadgets controlling you or are you controlling the gadgets? And I think that's, to some degree, the problem that we have with home automation is people get scared of, so how do I turn on my lights now? Or I can never get the VCR to stop blinking 12, and I don't want my, you know, to be honest, I'm looking at the Nest thermostat going, yeah, it's really cool. I'm cheap. I don't want to pay 200 some odd dollars for a thermostat when I can buy a $17 one that works fine and I go up to the wall and I program it. Yeah, but it. it's it's really cool and you can do cool things like turn your, you know, I, I can turn my my uh my my heat down now and you know screw with the you know, right. So in other words, I could be in Elkhart slash South Bend and adjust the temperature in your house in St. Louis. Yes, if I gave you no, the, sh- the uh the ability to do that and challenge how... accepted. <laughs> well, okay. So, so here's the thing, and, and I we, we make fun of that, but but you, you make a good point. The rotary phone was, was first of all, they're freaking cool. Uh, it took forever to dial, you know, um, you know, zero. Yeah, nine one 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 of too well. <laughs> no, nine one one was bad. But and I get some of that, except for I think that there's a there's a generational shift, you know. Just like there's a generational shift with mobile, and the gen- there was a, there's a generational shift with with content consumption, uh, the generation beyond us is probably going to be fine with it. You know, they're going to want to be able to walk into the the house and everything do you know do the house you know turn on and, and play the hockey game or yeah. play whatever music they want. Uh, my dad's generation, you know, sixty and, and above, they probably are slightly frightened of that because. They watch one too many sci-fi movie where the you know the house that killed or whatever you know. And it, yeah. it, it always comes down to you know knowing your customer, knowing what they want and what they need, and you know you can never discount the the opportunity to let a, a customer, a potential customer, experience something because there is always that thing you don't know what you what you need until you try it. Yeah, you don't know like. You know, when we first put lighting control in our house, my wife was uh, politely she was furious because um, it, it, it it is not it is not a. a, a I've know, been to 90... your house. Why do you need lighting control in your house? Is probably her exact comment. Yeah, pretty much. I'm I'm pretty much with Fiona on this one. I hate to tell you. No, no, no. It's fine. But once it was in, and she lived with it, and she worked with it a little bit, and, and got used to it. Now, when we go to somebody else's house who doesn't have it, it, it's never more than, especially if we're there, 
in the evening, you know, when it's dark out or, or whatnot. It's never more than about 10 minutes till she turns to me and she's like, you know, it'd be great if they had some raw in here. Because <laughs> when, when I'd walk into the back hall to, to find the bathroom, since I don't live here and I don't know where the lights are, they just, they'd all turn on and I'd know where I was going. Yeah. It'd be great. You should tell them, which is normally how it starts. Yeah. Um, and it, it is, it, it's one of those things. Before we had mobile phones, before we had smartphones, before we had a map on our phone, yeah, what you use this big thing you used the big actuated yeah. positioning system. Maps. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. And, and you know what? what the best thing is about them? They work when you don't have cell coverage. Power. I actually keep one in my car. No. <laughs> yes. It's, it's When I go to Hertz and I rent a car, which is like every week, people look at me funny when I go, do you want Everwast? No, I want a paper map. What? <laughs> because I can use the maps and I can twist it the way I'm seeing it and I know exactly how it works. And people and yes, I have one of these, but there's something to be said for Yes, GPS makes my life a lot better, but I still have a map. It's kinda like the who has a flashlight in their house? Same idea. Yeah. I still have a flashlight though. All right, guys. Yeah. Uh that by the way, it's it's apparently sixty eight degrees in my house right now, so uh, that's going to do it. Are you this... done cleaning your son's room yet? But uh, that was the last time I checked I, I in am, remotely. I am done cleaning his room and, and hanging his TV and hanging his Roku. So last oh, night I... Uh, last How night... old is your son? Five. <laughs> and I don't even have a Roku. Well, so I don't have cable to their... To their... I'm going to go to the end of this. We bought both I had the... to buy my own TV. <laughs> we got both of kid. the kids. This was a long discussion between <laughs> me and my wife because I didn't want to get them TVs this young. Uh, we got yeah, both I'm of the kids. We we got both TVs and, and both kids TVs and both kids a Roku, because uh, we're in the process of cutting cable, you know, all, getting rid of all uh, cable, and I'm I'm doing a, I'm mounting a an HD antenna, and we'll do you know over the air HD, uh, a digital rather. Um, but yeah, both kids have have Rokus, and so I have the Roku app on my cell phone, and my daughter was being a little uh, not listening the other evening and, and, and coming to dinner. And so I got on my app and I froze her, her Roku. Her. So. so do you also have an infrared TV or an infrared camera in there so that you can I see don't. what they're doing and spy them? But to me, that's the next thing is the nanny cam on the, uh, on the iPhone. Yeah. And I'm sure yeah. there are people we that have it. We have quite it. a few clients that uh, we've done that for and yeah. you have it. And they, you know, they monitor when their kids go to bed, when they send them to bed. They'll give them 10, 15 minutes, check in on them. If they're still... Turn off the lights remotely via yep. automation. Then yeah. the kid exactly. trips, and, trips and kills themselves as they're getting out of bed to get a glass of water. Minorly no smart lighting. No, 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 no. It's, it's, all, it's all motion activated so they can, you know, it comes on to 10% so they can find their way to the bathroom. You know, Brad, it's, it's me. We, we use lighting as a life safety device. There we go. Life safety. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, right. You... Uh, that's going to do it for this week. There's all sorts of lawsuits, I'm sure, happening right now. Uh, I'm glad you sent out articles you wanted us to talk about. I'm sure I did, but I forgot what they were now. Uh, that guy right there is Bradford Ben. He is the manager of Vertical Markets for Theme Parks, has the coolest title in the world. He works for Harmon. Thank you so much, sir. My pleasure. Sorry for the internet connectivity uh, issues. Uh, I blame the cold. It froze. The I electrons froze. stopped moving. I blame Vincent Surf. So okay. um, look that up, kids. Uh, also with us is Matt Scott. <laughs> The world's worst Canadian, also owner of Omega Audio Video. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you. Where can it's people find pleasure. you? I, I didn't ask Brad for that. I'll get back to him. Where can people Nobody find you? Nobody wants to find him. They can find me uh, on pretty much all social media networks at Matt D. Scott, uh, Twitter, or anything else. Uh, also, Omega Audio Video is a pretty easy find for you. Okay. Uh, also, Bradford, where can people find you, either on Twitter or other social places? Pretty much any place I can get away with using Bradford Ben with two N's. Uh, I use it, so it's Bradford B-E-N-N, or if you want to hit me up at the office, which and you can see what flights I'm pretending to land, <laughs> it's bradford.ben at harmon.com. Uh, and obviously, you can also hit up my website for my personal stuff at bradfordben.com. And on the Twitters and the Facebooks and Google+, Plus, I don't have MySpace, and I got rid of my AOL account last year. Really? The, yeah. fact, the fact that you had MySpace But is they're little... back, Bradford. They're back. Well, yeah, but I I think having <laughs> seventeen email addresses is like sixteen too many. J J T says they're back, but you know whatever. Yeah, yeah, uh, but he doesn't care. He just produced his albums. Yes, <laughs> so, uh, and, oh, yeah, and stars on. I'm never gonna come back here again. Uh, don't follow me. Go to our fabulous new website, Architect by uh, <laughs> the fabulous and talented uh, Mr. Matt D. Scott. There it is, folks. Um, it's still, there's still a couple bumps and bruises, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, he did a very good job. So say, Hey, yay, Matt Scott. Uh, good yay, job. Matt Scott. Good job on the, on the new website. So go by there. Avianation.tv. Avianation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others. We have a brand new DIY coming down the pike. Um, honestly, as soon Tell as I... CNN about it so they know how to do this stuff. <laughs> It's a different one. Um, uh, as soon as I can get around to, to editing it up and uh, putting it up there, plus uh, the AV Social, EdTech, the Education Focus Podcast, uh, State of Control, and a host of others. So, yeah, go by the website, avianation.tv. Avianation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. It's all the time we have for AV Week. Mm-hmm.